What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Work Prince Magicians Podcast, where we will tackle questions like, how do you kill an intangible thought creature? Where do you even stab it? Which was brought up today by our favorite character, the creature. Um, yeah, but in all seriousness, uh, episode 12, The Secret Sea, has to be one of the most bonkers Happy. episodes of the magicians yet. Um, but yeah, before we get started, think they can't get any crazier. They do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, joining me is Nicole, like usual. Welcome, welcome. And I am your host, Bilal. Well, we're kind of both hosts, so <laughs> yeah, co-host Bilal. Shoot. Yes, co-hosts. <laughs> Nicole's not joining me. We're just here together. We're we're like the creatures. We're a team, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nicole was just chopped up into four pieces and held elsewhere because she was the creature. And I'm the silly one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, you know, dar- um, yeah. like dark makeup and revenge right now. Yeah. Like, so I, we're, so this is an episode where things move at breakneck speed. So we're yeah, going to be so all over the place. All over the place. Yeah. Yeah. There, uh, Nicole has some sort of more guided... Uh, manner of notes mine is just chronological so um we'll figure out how to tackle this as we go along but i just want to quickly talk about a small moment near the end of the episode where uh the creature is with his sister and he asks her like hey do i have a name and she's like oh why God, would I we need names so much he's like <laughs> yeah. why do you need one God. and he's like for starbucks, for starbucks mostly <laughs> and it's so good <laughs> And, um, you know, that very, you know, very, very quick exchange kind of shows you how much more, um, like, the, like, this whole time, this, the monster or the creature is, like, the nicer one. And yeah. now his sister's like, what the hell do we need that for? Like, ew, humans. And so, you know, I think that, um you know she kind of talks about it a little bit like earlier in that scene too right where um she's like i th- i felt really bad for you this whole time but no you were with the humans and you think like them and you talk like them and he cares like, for no, them i don't god yeah like he actually has friends or people he considers friends even though he's willing to kill them uh he does have a- affection towards them which is a very big contrast uh but uh, Let's uh, rewind a little bit to the beginning of this episode where we kind of pick off where last week ended off. Oh, uh, yeah. where the creature Elliot abducted. Yeah, yeah, and um, they yeah, it's kind it kind of sucks for Julia because she shows up, she's there with uh, the creature, and he's like, "Okay, time to like send my sister's essence into you," mm-hmm. and. Julia throws up like a one last minute Hail Mary of like you know My Lady Underground time stops and you know even My Lady Underground is struggling but she kind of tells Julia she has a choice she could uh, either be human or be a god there's no wrong answer as long as she makes mm-hmm. the choice. choice and Julia's like what What kind of freaking test is this and I kind of agree with her like why did they make this so hard for her if they need her because it even like with my lady underground being a god she's struggling the whole time and we Mm -hmm. see it really quick that the essence escapes from the sister even though time is stopped and julia becomes possessed and seconds later my lady underground is dead and like i think you know that's really true and it's sort of number one lets us 
um, shows is really the power that the two siblings have since they're they just don't have the you know the energy of one god but like multiple gods right and they can't be killed unlike gods which can be, who can be killed um and that whole scene was pretty interesting because what kind of tests are they really putting julia through is the question right do you think that like you know there's a lot of allusion to how the gods made a mistake with the with the siblings are they maybe trying something different with julia as an ex-human and you know how how often do they ascend humans into 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 be becoming gods to begin with right um but yeah like i really enjoyed that scene and it was a really well uh well done job by um stella mave who was able to transform herself into an another character um in the series you know we've seen her um as like in season one julia and then we saw her without her shade and then we saw her struggling and then we saw her get um reynard's magic and so this has been like this is definitely a new level for her to um to explore i think as as a character right yeah no definitely and uh it's kind of scary for me as well just like think of her power level now and mm -hmm. you know Reynard answered to my lady underground like uh, that was a parent-child relationship if I recall and if you look at how easily she took out my lady underground it's it's kind of scary at what these two can reckon to anyone that comes mm -hmm. or tries to st stand in their way um i don't know what the solution is for these two and i think even our favorite folks at brick bills are like you know we can do the incorporate bond but we need a shit really ton of magic work. to do so yeah, yeah exactly and where do um, they get a shit ton of magic we'll find if, out. yeah yeah <laughs> which is also convenient <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um I so the twins basically kind of walk around a little bit, right? And they sit on a park bench and like the sisters like, you know, like we mentioned earlier, um, she tells her brother that, oh, at first I felt sorry for you, but really you were like playing with a human. So it, it really wasn't that bad. And like, she's like, oh, if you think I'm disappointed, I'm not. And she was all about revenge you know getting revenge um for what happened to her and even though the monster's like oh i already killed bacchus um iris and the others for you and she's like no like i really want to get revenge on the people responsible for dumping us here which is their parents right but they do oh. reveal that there's mm -hmm. a key um other plot point that i'm sure we'll explore more next season which is yeah. how to get into the godly realm yeah and it's like they have a realm of their own which i think we mm -hmm. i might have touched i might have asked in general that one episode where i was going metaphysical because it does seem for the most part the gods themselves are human or a variation of it mm -hmm. of, of some kind but then they're also like uh, there's a lot of questions like were they all humans before they just amassed a godly amount of power uh, because mm -hmm. because it seems like amassing power or a magical power in one spot in one place to make yourself into a god is feasible if you have a few hundred years 
Ah, interesting. So, you know, that kind of then makes you wonder too, like how old the library is, right? If they've been around for like a very long time, like, like how, how number one, how are they set up, right? And then two, was it potentially the gods who could have set them up initially? And then if so, well, where did the gods come from? But hey. <laughs> That's a very metaphysical question, too. <laughs> so, so I have a few things about this. It's like, we know from this episode that anti-aging magic, and just from what it's we've possible, seen with Clover yeah. in the past, is possible. So slowing down aging is a thing, but what it requires, can everyone do it? You know, those are some of the questions that are... Mm-hmm. you know sit out there i don't think that's a question the show is ever going to answer in general of like why can these people stay alive for a million years or whatnot? or maybe they have i and i'm just forgetting but you know it seems by the conversation everett was having with zelda at a later point in this episode that he you know uh he discusses how his plan to hoard magic and dump it in this secret sea was you know hundreds of years in the making like he had this planned out and you know his reasoning isn't just to become a god it's to become a god and get the knowledge of the gods it's to mm-hmm. get all the, like the, it, i can't tell if he's lying but i felt like there was truth in what he was saying of just this pursuit of knowledge kind of like niff and alice but less ah, maniacal yeah yeah it's just like trying to understand everything out there and they're like they're trying to protect that information in the library but it's becomes of a question at, at what cost and i don't know if everett has truly thought this through and if his book has changed at all if there needs to be a revision with all the interference that's been going on mm, like is he still on is he still on course of becoming a god but you know we'll get to that um but like yeah, I said, so we're going to be all yeah, over the place. Over the place. <laughs> yeah. Um, just to finish out with the sibling. So um, the sister basically says, well, a long time ago, we actually had a scroll, which was which served as a key to be able to get into the gods, the old gods realm. So and it was um, on Earth of all places. Well, everything's here because, you know, yeah. Earth is a very happening place. <laughs> yeah. It just happens to be the center of all the realms. Yeah. Exactly. And the library the library took it away from them a long time ago and kept it someplace very safe, which I'm pretty sure we all know where that place is by now. <laughs> Break um, pills? <laughs> uh, no. Damn it. <laughs> it is a room that is very that's filled with lots and lots of illegal crap that other people shouldn't be reading. So the poison they, room. So they do make their way there eventually, but we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Yeah, I think we'll save that conversation for the end. Yeah, let's jump to what's been happening at the apartment with, like, Quentin, Alice, Penny, Margot, um, as they are trying to figure out sort of what their next move is, right? Okay. So I think at this point, they... You know they have the axes they they've done the incorporate bond on the bottles but the problem is that they need um a huge source of magic to be able to pull it off just because if they don't have that like obviously the the siblings are going to overpower them and just break through the bottles right and jump body jump and kill them all 
And so that's the challenge now. They need to find a huge source of magic. And so at first, um, Penny and Quentin go to Breakbills to see if Fog can help them, but Fog has been arrested by the library for his little stunt last week, um, tr- teaching first year students. I think it was like a cloaking spell while drunk. <laughs> <laughs> So now that option is gone. Um, But luckily, as they're trying to do research, um, Fen, I believe, drops a bunny and basically says that they've um, found magic and they need help. Um, Let me see, did I miss anything with that? Uh, No, that's pretty much up to up to the point uh yes and so then everyone kind of jumps over to oh no it was just penny and quentin Quentin. yeah they head over to fillery where they um they're shown the underground passageway and so in there number one those so okay i think the cavern is totally made out of living stone it, it looks like it. It looks like what Black Spire is made out of. And so in there, they n- first notice a sunken garden that is perpetually blooming and dying. And so they're like, whoa, what is this? And then Fen arrives with um, a little fish bowl with a fish in it and tells them to come, come follow her. And she leads them to another entrance at the bottom of the cavern, which is um, essentially the, s- the cistern slash reservoir of hoarded magic water. And yeah. it's pretty cool. It's like yeah, a huge, I thought- huge, huge space yeah. with like other islands and like it looks like an ocean, legit. You know, I, I was like, oh my god, it's middle fillery, thinking they were the, like a Lord of the Rings or something. I was just like, I was like, did they put like another like fillery inside of fillery? <laughs> and an exhibit oh, shows up? <laughs> oh, that would be kind of fun, actually. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like a really serene looking um, thing. And I think Quentin like walks up to the water to go like, I think, guess, touch it? Yeah, and Fen's like, no, there's a curse. And so she explains that Josh did the same thing and turned into a fish. And so currently it wasn't safe yet, and they needed to figure out how to essentially um, disable the curse so that they can use that as their source of um, magic for for the, the, it, the, uh, uh, the battle with the two siblings um, later on in the episode, essentially. Yeah. Which all conveniently timed because they were just looking for a source, a of, source of great magic. magic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, do you think that like they didn't put in kind of enough clues about that earlier on in the season? Because I mean, we only kind of found out about it relatively recently, right? Like the last two episodes, maybe or something like that. I mean, and they ha- there have been they have been planting like that ambient magic is mm-hmm. low like they're they're rationing magic for a reason when uh, they're they could definitely give out a lot more so mm-hmm. you know it's there but I just think it's really weird how of all the places for Everett to store the magic and this is jumping ahead a little bit but Everett chooses the cistern underneath the Fillory, castle and Fillory yeah. um it, it, I uh, hope they go into more details of why he chose that spot at all. Like, he's a library. He's like the head li- one of the head librarians. Like, he could have 
known of other spots to store magic. Oh, that's true. That's <clears throat> true. But, you know, maybe there is, like... Like, it's hard to believe, I guess, that that would be the only spot that was large enough to be able to contain that, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I could imagine the library could have created something if they wanted to. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so... Fen goes back to um, the apartment with Josh and kind of fills Margo in on what's been going on. And okay, th- this storyline is... Yeah. Uh, I get it. It was just so weird in this entire <laughs> scope of <laughs> things. Did you feel like it was kind of disjointed? Like, it didn't feel disjointed. Yeah. It didn't feel disjointed. It just felt... Like, the tempo of it all felt so wrong compared to everything else. Like, okay, explain it, and then uh, I'll give some of my thoughts on it. Okay, so let's go through this whole Margot-Josh thing, right? So the kind of fish that Josh is requires constant eye contact, or else he, he, as the fish, will die. And so Fen convinces Margot to, like, keep an eye out on Josh, and so Margot's trying to do research to try and figure out how to um, break the break the curse, but it's not getting anywhere. And so Quentin actually suggests that she go to a hedge witch vet who um, took the bloodworm um, out of Pete's ear after he got infected. So she goes, and um, the vet is like, yo, your fish is actually a werewolf wait you're a werewolf too and your eye is crazy and she's like yeah 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 it's a fairy eye so what's your point like i need help with this and so he actually suggests that she pop out her fairy eye and leave that to watch josh so she can take care of her lady business you know aka take a dump or go to bed (laughs) and she then ends up wearing a pirate themed um uh i'm uh, wait what do you call eye it patch. eye patch eye patch yeah yeah and i actually wonder if they specifically did that for a reason because um w- later on when plover is talking about the secret sea or no when quentin actually no no, no when um quentin is talking doing research about the secret sea he finds that um, the only reference really is like Martin and Jane or the Chatwins sailed across it with a crew of pirate rabbits. And so I was like, oh, is there any connection to that? But I, I guess we'll find out next episode if there is. Um, it's, it's definitely going to be like Margot on a boat. On a boat, uh, right? On like, a boat. Hello, uh, it, part on two. a secret. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of excited for that. I hope it All happens. Right. Yeah, I just hope Margot's. Uh, I, like her fairy eye. This wasn't all that it was leading up to. Because I know it needs to do it, something more awesome. Yeah, it, that's. There's been no payoff for that outside of seeing a ghost last week. So I really hope um, uh, the fairy eye gets more play by you know, she, the finale. It might be useful somehow in perhaps trying to find like a weak spot for the twins, maybe right. Because she's able to see way more color and way more power with the fairy eye compared to mm-hmm. everyone else. So maybe that'll hopefully come in handy that time. Um, but so Margot ends up um, baking, whatchamacallit, baking some, baking some pastries for her man. But before that, actually, so she has a conversation with Alice and Q. <laughs> I love this scene. Wherein 
Alice, uh, Alice is like, or, you know, it kind of sounds like you're actually in love with Josh. And she's like, have you, and Margo's like, have you met me? I don't do, I don't do feelings. I'm the bitch with the axes, which was hilarious. And, but she actually, Alice kind of helps her realize that just because she has feelings for Josh, it doesn't mean that, you know, she's any less herself. Like she can still be, she can still be a bitch and love Josh. So she's mm-hmm. like, well, damn, maybe I do love the guppy. Um, and so I, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of nice. It's the relationship. It's the relationship nobody saw coming. (laughs) So, but that leads to actually another reconciliation where, after that, wherein at first Q was like, Well, don't you know he has like lycanthropy? And she's like, Who cares? Like, at the end of the day, Josh gets her, and that's all that really matters, right? Yeah. It's sweet. It's very sweet. And it puts kind of things into perspective for Q where he then tells Alice that you know he at first he didn't think that he could trust her again but now he finds that he wants to because he still wants her in his life and so she says me too and they kiss and make up and you know they're gonna give their relationship another go which is great I I really liked this scene Mostly because it shows how far Q has gone, uh, come from season yeah, one. True. Because a a lot of people have you know told to watch the magicians have been like, I hate Quentin. Like I can't believe he's the main character. Uh, and I'm like, he's not the main character. And you're like, he's such a douche to everyone to Julia. And like, <laughs> and Quentin mentions like he's done trying to judge people based off yes. of what he expects them yes. to be how yes. he expects them to act and like he did this with Ju- yeah. yeah he was he was a shitty friend to julia uh back in season one when mm-hmm. she was it was like you know i was at break bills and he was like well you didn't get in stop trying to be a hedge witch you're like, like. A, he, he was treating her like a crack addict yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um yeah he didn't want anything and like he slowly but surely has like has has transformed over the years and like as much as i want to show people like hey look he's changed he's a lot better like he got a lot better in season two in my opinion he still had a lot to grow and he has grown but like i kind of want to show people the scene and be like look there's character growth and development yeah uh but i don't you know i don't um won't say anyone's wrong for not liking Quentin back in season one. Plus, um, he was kind of, I think, a lot more whiny as a character. Oh my god, one, yes. Right? Yeah. 100%. Kind of, it, it's like that whole sort of like uh, like Harry Potter in um, book four. Order of the Phoenix? Yeah. Was it Order of Phoenix? Five. Yeah. Five, in Order of the Phoenix, yeah. My least favorite <laughs> Harry Potter book because of how, high, uh, how whiny Harry was. Um, oh god she's screaming at everyone emotions <laughs> how how great how great was that year in the puffs play-doh oh my oh, god yes. Yes. it's all angst and emotions <laughs> <laughs> so um wait where were we so okay so mark we left margo with um whatchamacallit with um Josh and after she had baked some baked some cakes like some pastries for him but I think we we should probably switch to um, what's been going on in the library and in the poison room first because this all comes back to the apartment again at some point and there's a lot of information that happens in those scenes that we will need to talk about what happens in the rest of the episode so Katie yep. Zelda 
are stuck in the poison room after being locked in there last week. Um, and true enough, as I freaking predicted, hey, we both predicted. There. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I told you. Unless told you, you see him die, unless you dead. see him die, he's he, not dead. <laughs> yes, and he's like, oh hey, um, I can teach you guys how to survive in here if you help me escape with you guys. And so obviously they're like, oh fine. And I actually really appreciate that Katie was super supportive of Alice's decision to lock Plover in there because he's a disgusting person. Although there are a lot of things that he talks about that I think is is uh, kind of like an overall theme as well in in this season, especially I think, wherein you know people always judge you on what you've done, but you know they don't give you a chance to change. Yeah, and you know. Yeah. He he said that, and I was like, I was like, I get it. And then Katie's like, you're still a fucking pedophile. And I yeah, was like, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> yep. It's like it's like it's like I it's like you can make mistakes, and people will eventually like they will call you out on it. And yeah. some people might not ever forgive you, but like there are some things people can get by. Like Alice yeah. was had a terrible third season or yep. second. I don't know, she was just, you know, that Niffin phase was terrible and, you know, Q finally got around. It takes time. But she time. did not she do did not. disgusting, horrible <laughs> things to children. So. Exactly. So I don't know why Plover can't get it through his head. And I also kind of like how, like, Zelda was like, yeah, I've read your read, book. Yeah. You're not getting much sympathy out of me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, but they, you know, they compromise because they've, they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. And Plover's like, well, I've been eating the moss, and I think that that's what's counteracting the poison because it's the only thing that grows in here. But hey, it's actually not that. So they... Yeah. <laughs> I love how he's just been eating moss this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah, so Zelda notices that she's got some lesions on her arm and Katie <coughs> checks and she has them too so the moss obviously isn't working and Plover's like, oh, maybe it was the anti-aging stuff that Ma- that Martin carved on my forehead that's been keeping me alive still. It's like, well, yeah, no duh. Um, and so they, um, they get super pissed, obviously, Katie especially, but then we find out this crucial piece of information and this scene between the two women was like really such a well done. Wait, are, like, are, are you about to ju- are you about to jump? No, they're still talking in the point. Oh yes, that's right, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So basically Zelda's like, Oh, you know, if we get out of here in time, I don't we're not gonna die because hey, the library actually has a cure for this stuff. And Katie's like, What the hell? You had a cure the whole time and you chose not to save Penny because hello penny was a librarian already like why didn't they save him and she was like oh it was above my pay grade like it wasn't my choice and she's like and then katie was like no you don't get to hide behind a fascist organization and claim no responsibility for the people that it kills which was so true and yeah you know it's like it's kind of like what happened in during world war ii right in world war one where all these people were cogs in the machine but they you know weren't really thinking about oh what their actions and who they were working for were killing like millions of people it's like oh well not everyone of course but it's sort of like that um that uh, oh there's a term for this it's it's a kind of evil that's done based on 
just doing your job and not questioning the motivations of the people that you work for, right? Oh, yeah, and uh, this is gonna bug me. There's a term for this. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, I know what you're talking about, but like we we kind of do see this too in a scene with Everett and then uh, unnamed yes. library employee where he's like, he's like, I oh, his name I is locked Cyrus. it. Yes. Uh, you, how do you know his name? Because I watched this twice. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that you, like, I just glazed over it. I was like, whatever. <laughs> Nameless librarian. Nameless yeah, but he's like, yeah. yeah, he's like, you know, there's an intruder in the uh, poison room, you know, so we followed protocol, protocol and locked it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but are it's Zelda really gonna, inside. Yeah, are we yeah. Really gonna leave Zelda in there? And like, but they're like, yeah, we got to, because that's the rules. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's it's such a great scene, though. And, like, you know, I think it really goes to show where um, Zelda has been harboring all of these secrets. And she didn't have to do those things. But at the same time, I also understand wherein you can't save everyone, right? People die. And so if you... If you go on and change, like, the book of every single person, then, like, everyone would be immortal. (laughs) And that doesn't really work. But at the same time, what, um... Remind me what Penny was doing in the Poison Room again, the the original Penny. I forgot. I forget why. Was it? He was looking for books. Like, was it... To help that one girl out. I don't remember what. Was it it wasn't Harriet. No. Was it? I don't remember oh, her well, name. What, the, the, the young girl who who was another librarian with him went with him, but there was a oh, man. I forgot. I totally forgot why he went back to the poison. Why he went to the poison room? But I will recheck this before the if, before the last our last podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I can't remember why he was in there. Um. But. After this, um, after the scene, essentially, Zelda gets kind of knocked out all of a sudden, and we find out it's because Everett has um, put a spell on her so that they can talk in privately within her mind. And so he finally reveals to us what his motivations are for orchestrating all of this. You know, she she calls him out that you know she's read his book and that she knows he's hoarding magic to try and become a god but he points out that you know her of all people should understand this whole thing has been so futile because there's always going to be knowledge that they don't have but the but that's yeah. a sort of very deep philosophical like question because should you really have all the knowledge in the world why like what true purpose does that serve right and I- but you know like always you can't there's no way that you can know everything that's like yeah it was it was weird because it like normally when you see someone give an explanation like that i feel like there's like a i normally would feel like there's an ulterior motive or something but like his response felt genuine to me and you know what too i think i agree like it probably was genuine but at the same time um you know it's like with great power tends to come great corruption like it's very hard yeah. not to get like caught up and in like, Zelda, how much magic yeah. you have and Zelda mentions that like Bacchus and the others all became drunk on power once they became gods and I don't think they any of them took what they were doing seriously yeah exactly and like so he, Everett has Everett has the capacity to be much more like Hitler-ish 
in his use of power compared to like mm-hmm. Bacchus, Iris, Angus, and Heka, right? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I yeah I hope that we kind of get more information on Everett's background as well to sort of lead us to see how he got to this place and what happened to him that made him feel like this was all pointless and that they needed more knowledge and more power to you know deal with like other things like you know he does bring up that hey there's a super powerful uh, monster on the loose right now so we need to have that kind of energy as well to be able to like protect ourselves which is not untrue but at the same time you know like does the does the ends justify the means i don't know I had this thought in my head really quick and it just left me. <laughs> Crap. It was a good one too. You th- keep thinking about it. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> Did it have to do with like Everett or... Yeah, it had to do with yeah. Everett. Oh, no. Actually, I just remembered it. Yeah. Um, I just remembered because, you know, he's a librarian uh, and he wants to become a god but the others became a god via the binder where the hell is the binder this episode oh you know what that's a good point because <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming they st- that they the binder is actually still in the apartment in, in book form right even though Julie has been taken it doesn't uh, it doesn't mean that the book has been destroyed yet because she still needs him to become a god or become human again depending you on think they put him choice. back in the book did he hate being in the book oh, wasn't yeah. it like a prison or, yeah, that's true <laughs> maybe he's like i'm gonna just like chill and enjoy you know new york for a bit he, you guys he's with fan at benny Hanos. yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're enjoying, you know, they're enjoying some uh, teppanyaki. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, in relation to stuff happening in the library, um, Fog, who has been taken prisoner there, manages to evade his captors and um, kind of camouflage himself as a librarian. He's able to then um, turn two... two two librarians into little puppies and he kind of set up a trick where earlier before he got um he got arrested he had todd um put back a very very restricted book in the book drop so by the so when he got to the netherlands um the librarians would be forced to open the poison room and put the book back so he kind of lies in wait and is able to then turn turn those two into little adorable i think yorkie puppies yeah they look like yorkies and i was like i want both of them they're so cute and he you know takes the (laughs) bottle of insects eats drink drinks it and heads into the room to come get uh zelda katie and katie but he finds plover in there too and he's like i don't want to take this pedophile with you know understandably but plover is like hey hey you guys are looking for the reservoir right i can show you where that is because that was one of martin's secrets and i knew all of martin's secrets so they're forced to take him out and plover ends up or i mean fog ends up um taking one for the team and uh, buys them some time by um knocking out some of the librarians so that the other three can um or head to the earth fountain and get back to the apartment so once they get back to the apartment 
this thing, it gets like super awkward, right? Wait, did we, did we touch upon real quick how Zelda, Everett made Zelda pass out oh, and he yeah. talked, yeah. Yeah, so we, we actually, we were still in that conversation, yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, Everett actually, you know, tells Zelda, yeah, you know, I want it for, for knowledge. And when I leave the library, I was actually going to leave, um, leave it to you to lead it so that you could still kind of, you know, take care of the human concerns and, um, help. And she drinks that Kool-Aid. She drinks it. You think, you think, you think she's, she drinks it still because. Oh, a hundred percent. Because when we get back to the apartment. Yeah. It's that whole, yeah, because, I need you, I need you, don't leave yeah, me. Because Everett literally tells Zelda the only person, because Everett tells her that he's been funneling all the magic into the reservoir. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, the secret sea, as it uh, mm. Plover had named it in the books. And he's like, but it's cursed, and the only person that can like lift that curse it's is Quentin, Quentin Coldwater. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's just like, it's like, I love how everyone knows Quentin's name. And uh, just how important he is to Villery, besides Quentin himself. Yeah. But uh, when they're back in the apartment, and uh, Zelda's like, Quentin, you're the only, only one, one that can lift the curse. Yeah, that's true. See, okay, so <laughs> I wasn't sure if she had drank the Kool Aid or not. I think she totally drank the Kool Aid okay. here. Okay. Because that would be because fucked up. because at this point they're not they know Julia's been kidnapped but they don't they don't know she's possessed yes. but there there's no immediate threat or reason that Zelda would want Quentin to have access to all this magic um, so th- that's how I see it at least mm, okay so I in my eyes the only reason she would help them lift the curse is because she wants Everett to become a god and not okay. stop these creatures. And, okay, or at least have the power to potentially stop the creatures too, right? Yeah. Okay, so so on that Plover, you know, when Plover is back at the apartment, he tells them that um, basically there's a plant in, this, in the sunken garden or the drowned garden, as Martin calls it, that um, if you are able to make it bloom. There are leaves in the uh, that's um, generated by this plant that um, they can take to counteract the curse, and it's also something. It, it's also the thing that will turn Josh back into a human. And it was actually Martin who had placed the the curse on this on the um, on the secret sea because he had actually drained it initially when he had first found it, um, and. Clover does confirm that it was the 13th King Roderick who um, built this in, to begin with. And so Martin didn't want anyone um, to use it again, basically. But so whenever it started funneling all of the magic that he's been uh, accumulating into this place, it triggered the curse. And so he didn't believe in Fillory enough, obviously, and so it was only Q who could really do it. So uh, my under- so I was, I was slightly a bit confused. So r- Martin, at the he did this at the age of 13. 13. Yeah. And so he basically, he drained, he drained the lake because he didn't want anyone to have this much power or try to become a god. Like, I don't know what Roderick was doing yeah. with that much. So uh, they never talk about they that. They kind of briefly mentioned that Roderick was hoarding it to consolidate power for himself and Fillory. Mm-hmm. But I guess he didn't really use all of it, myself. Yeah, I, we also have to remember that the kings of Fillory are human, so they... It was a magician. Yeah. Ooh, maybe it was a magician who is now an old god, right? Maybe we'll Ooh. find that out. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> so he drained. So yeah, basically, he drained it till a few drops, and he cursed the few drops, and then yeah. when it start filling up again, it, it just kind of yeah. yeah, it's kind of just like how would you describe this? What spreads out in water? It's kind of like a drop. Mm, no. Because then it just dilutes. Whatever. It just affects all the water. <laughs> I was just trying to think of like, I was like, it's like kind of adding Kool-Aid. And then entire lake no. become no, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> um, wait, so, where, what were we, which part were we? So, they, oh, oh okay, so. The Q, flower. Yeah, so Q, um, Plover, Alice, and Penny um, go to Fillory to basically try to help Q um, make the flower bloom. At first, Plover's yes. like trying to be like, think pure thoughts, think blah, 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 blah. Q's <laughs> like, this is really not helping because you're the last person who should be telling me what kind of thoughts I need to think. And so. I, I just love how they keep writing Plover as someone that's not self aware to everything yeah. he's saying and doing <laughs> in those situations. <laughs> Like I, I get he wants to be perceived as something else, but he does like, not know how context, to read a room. Context, yeah, yeah. He, needs um, to, he needs to get some lessons from Alice. <laughs> exactly. She so after Plover leaves, Q is sort of tries, but of course it's not really working. And it's it's a nice scene between him and Alice where she's like, "Listen, just because you're an adult, it doesn't mean that you have to let go of the things you loved, like magic and fillery." And you know, a part of why she fell in love with him to begin with was because of that belief that he had. Wherein she, you know, she came from such a jaded like magician, um, um, magic family that she never viewed magic the way he did, right? With wonder and like excitement and um, and like full of possibilities. And so she kind of encourages him to sort of think about things from that perspective and that being an adult is all just about looking at things with new eyes right and a new perspective so penny and her leave him and q launches into this emotional heart-wrenching monologue about how much fillery has disappointed him and how you know he like many people in the world believe that it's like in a distant land they could be special and that they would kind of matter and be something or you know be able to find a place to escape to and so he kind of feels like maybe it would it would have been better if he believed that Fillory was fictitious this entire time rather than being disappointed in the real thing but then he kind of argues that maybe the uh, the belief in the idea of Fillory should be enough because it really saved his life. You know, let's not forget Q tried to commit suicide a couple times and in the end, you know, Fillory saved him as a kid and it saved him as an adult even as he was on his way to, you know, join Brick Bills and become a magician. Um, so yay, it works and the flower blooms. So It's a it's a it's miracle. A beautiful scene. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful scene, yeah. especially for Quentin. Like, you know, he, that conversation with Alice, this mm-hmm. conversation with the flower, and just like the self-actualization of what Fillory means to him. Mm-hmm. It's not... Pr- and I think it's... Oh, uh, what did I write? I wrote... Oh, what? God, where did I write this? It was, I think, expectations versus... Um, 
his reality mm-hmm. of the situation. It just like it didn't match up uh, to what he expected, and it, I think Quentin even mentions like, yep. "Hey, this is not you know, it, it's not going to be that, but it ha- this place has meaning for me, uh, and it's not a, as Plover put it, true love for everything that is Fillory, but it is special to him in his heart." even if it's not what he expected but, when yeah. he grew up. Yeah. And that's it's such a beautiful scene, I think, too, as just, like, how uh, you sort of transition from, like, the beliefs that you had as a kid into growing up, right? And realizing how life is not perfect. There's, it, there's a lot of crappy stuff that happens. And yet, still be able to kind of see the you know the, kind of the potential in things right despite all the crappy stuff that happens out there so it was it was very very like like emotional and i think you know a lot of people can relate to feeling that way and like being in that situation where you know you thought that you were going to be special and that you really mattered but life beat you down but don't worry it's it, you know it gets better and that sometimes yeah. all it takes is being able to eventually adjust how you perceive the world and perceive, you know, all your different circumstances, right? Yeah, and you know, I bet there are kids out there that have read it, that have read the Harry Potter books, oh and, my gosh, and yes. those books mean yes. the same exact thing to them. What, those the mo- like movies, yep. Yeah, so it's it's not unheard of, and it's definitely relatable. Uh, but once that flower is bloomed. I, what? Uh, actually, there we shouldn't. There's one more scene that kind of want to touch upon, which takes place back in the apartment mm-hmm. uh, with Katie and Penny. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Zelda as and well. Zelda, yeah. So, um, a little earlier on, after they, yeah, after the the women and Plover get back to the apartment, <coughs> Zelda tells Katie, "Oh, you know, the library uses a contractor who might be able to help us with the cure." And Katie's like, just text me if you find anything. And she didn't want to go with Zelda. And so Penny23 kind of confronts her about it and, she, and was like, what are you doing? If this is a chance for you to like get better and not die, like take it. And she's like, no. Uh, and he realizes that she doesn't really want the cure because she wants to die and go be with Pen- her Penny, Penny40. Because everything from her perspective is, is like a waste anyways. And you know it's i i think that she right now is feeling very sensitive after finding out that the library could have saved penny and it really opened up old wounds that she right now is like screw it i don't want to deal with any of this anymore even though she is now the hedge witch leader right and so she does yeah another purpose Hey everyone, I accidentally hit the stop record button, but uh, let's jump back to Nicole talking about Katie and Zelda and the option of living. Um, now I have to remember what I said. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think it's just uh, mostly Katie giving up yeah. on... Um, Wanting to like live and like, pretty much. And, like deal with shit, basically. And she's like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And she leaves. Um, but... After that, so Penny, when he returns from Fillory, right, he gives Margot the leaf for Josh. And Margot's like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I cannot leave until Josh is back to normal because he'll die if I don't, if I'm not here. And so 
Penny then says, listen, I will make sure I bring Elliot back. And um, he takes the axes and the bottles and vanishes. Back in Fillory, Alice and Quentin, you know, eat the leaves and they basically take the risk and hope that it works so that um, they don't turn into fishes. So Q goes first and takes a sip of water and his eyes um, glow white, I think. And so obviously they're super, super charged. And so they both start drinking copious amounts of water. And then we flip back to the library where the the, the super powerful twins have been killing librarians left and right as they make their way to the poison room. So Cyrus, um, who we saw earlier as the librarian who talked to Everett about Zelda, um, tries to stop them with like a fireball, but they basically just, you know, very easily stop it and was like, here, right back at you. And he dies in a fiery f- ball of ash. Like um, I said, no name. <laughs> Cyrus. <laughs> so the two then get the scroll and they're still kind of walking around the library, you know, ooh la la. And um, the sister finds um, Fog in his cell and he basically apologizes to Julia for all of the things that's happened to her because of him. And it looks like, she, you know, he's about to die when you hear Q's voice going, hey, monster lady. And she comes out, and so they have um, they have the axes, and they have the bottles with them, and they're about to do battle. And the monster uh, sister is like, "You're so adorable," basically, because she's like, she. I think I I don't know if they have had enough combined um, magic to be able to really defeat her. So we'll see. Like, I think, you know, uh, I don't know. My my suspicion is that it's definitely not going to go the way they intended it to go. <laughs> I, uh, it's, you drank from a lake. Like. You should have filtered that, no. <laughs> one, yes. But how much do you drink? Like, it, it was weird because. I did yeah. So, like, I understand the magic itself is pure in that lake. It's just hoarded magic. Uh, yeah, it might be concentrated, but hit- when Quentin took a sip, his eyes glowed like he had godlike powers, and that just felt mm-hmm. wrong from just a simple sip. I know they kept on drinking more and more, but I don't think that's. How much do you have to drink to, like, match uh, with the god? Levels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's very true. And, um,. You know, I think that if you think about the times when other characters have been kind of superpowered, right? Um, in season one, it was um, M- uh, it was Reynard, the foxes, Seaman, and Julia that superpowered. Yeah, her. and then Alice having to drink embers that superpowered her. And it wasn't a lot, and it didn't last for that long, right? Yeah. And then with Julia, when she was given Reynard's spark, it was something that she had to nurture. And so even then, it's like, how much magic was that? Like, I, I don't know, right? And yeah. she only got it from one god, as opposed to the, the twins who have power from multiple gods. 
So I feel like there is they still wouldn't have enough magic to be able to like really battle them. But then again, you know, maybe they just have to be really clever and just have that one opening to be able to use the, the axes on the two, right? And then be able to somehow trap them in the bottles and pour in all the magic in those to contain them. But once again, how much is how much of that are they really going to need, right? Yeah. Uh, it's I, and you know what? It's like we're heading into the finale, and I think you're right when you said we're gonna end the season up in the realm of gods. But yeah. because like the status quo changes big time from season to season. Uh-huh. Like this season, we dealt with the rationing of magic, the library, um, yeah, being and whatnot, sort of like authoritarian rule. I mean, like, now, could, yeah, I don't could know. it just be like a war against the gods? Yeah, meh. You know, that's that's possible. And although I think for sure, like, the gods are scared of the the two, right? Mm-hmm. And even, like, even, yeah, like, you saw, we saw how easily Persephone um, or Our Lady Underground died, like, within, like, t- a second, essentially, of, of the monster si- sister kind of just finding her, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's... Even the collective gods, do they have enough energy to be able to stop those two? I do not know. That's a good question. A very good question. I'm starting to wonder, because uh, there's still that one lingering question of who dies. Because somebody visits Penny. I don't think it's Katie. Yeah, we still don't I, know. And the more this season has gone on, I'm starting to think Elliot doesn't make it out of this alive. Oh. I don't think you could get rid of Julia because I think Julia still has a bigger a bigger picture to play and I think sending Julia down to Elliot doesn't make not Elliot down to Penny doesn't have as much payoff because mm-hmm. 40 uh P40 doesn't uh, have feelings for Julia but I think if you do Elliot um and kind of I don't know, it makes more sense to me, because as much as I love Hale Appleman, he hasn't had too much to do this season. He's been more in the background for most... Oh, yeah, since, like, yeah, like, yeah. the monster hasn't I, had that many scenes. Yeah. I don't know if that's him on his way out, or him busy with other projects. I don't know what else he would be on. I really hope he's not gone. I Like, I'd be really upset if they got rid of him, but I don't know who else it could be at this point. Um... Mm. Hmm. You know what? It would be kind of crazy if it was Quentin. I the part of me was thinking that, yeah. like that would be a pretty crazy that, twist. That could be pretty interesting because Penny Forty's relationship with Quentin's always been tumultuous. Yes, they've always had a very like <clears throat> angry, hateful relationship. <laughs> yeah. So maybe he would be happy to see him in the end. Yeah, it'd be like, oh, it's you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that could that could definitely be an option. Um, but did you notice though that this episode, because uh, Julia was kidnapped, Penny twenty three was acting so much more like Penny forty. Oh, hundred percent. Hilarious. He was like so dickish and like so yeah. fun and like was it was awesome. It was hilarious. It was like uh, even like Margot mentioned yeah. to him. He's like he's like yeah because it's Julia that's taken. You're ready to grab these axes and exactly. go. Exactly. Um, 
I'm trying to think. Final thoughts on this episode. I thought it was a fantastic episode. We're heading into what looks like to be one crazy crazy finale. Season finale, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a series where the status quo changes episode to episode and season to season. It's already bonkers as is. Uh, So, I mean, like, think about it. Season one ended with them failing. Like, Penny had got his arms, like, cut off. Cut off, Or his hands cut off, yeah. Um, I think Alice nearly died. A bunch yeah. of them, like, it was did not look good for a lot of them. And then Julia kidnapped um, Martin and got out of there. Season two ended with magic being turned off. Season three. Yeah. Wait. Uh, we're on season four right now? Yeah. Yeah, we're on season so, four. And season yeah. three ended with uh, magic being restored, but the creature let loose. Getting out, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, there's always expansion of some kind, so I wouldn't be shocked if we're, we end up with everyone trapped in the realm of gods. Ah, uh, yeah. That, ooh, that could be kind of interesting. Hmm. I mean, like, yeah. w- like, what does it mean to be a magician trapped in the world in of the gods? In the world of gods, yep. Like, yeah, how do you overcome something like that? Yep. Ooh, I like it. I suspect that Everett does become a god, but maybe not for very long. I I, th- I think that he, there's a chance that he'll die and that the, the, the twins kill him, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, the book just ends with him becoming a god. Maybe, like, he becomes a god and he just, you know, like Dies you said, he just bites later. it. Yeah. yeah. So oh, that'd be pretty funny. Like, yeah, did it Zelda read more, or does your book end you know when you what? become that's, a god? That's that's a good question because she actually takes his book with them, like when, mm-hmm. out of the poison room. So technically, she still knows, you know, what's happening with him. So I don't know. I think in some respects, it will be interesting if you're right that she drank the Kool Aid, or will she know if whether uh, Everett or not is still lying to her based on his book, right? And if she is able to read ahead to be like, oh, he became he becomes like a power hungry, you know, crazy person or something, then that might, you know, kind of motivate her not to help him. But we'll find out. Yeah. <sighs> so it's uh, next week's episode. Yeah. Exciting. I hope we get a screener for it. <laughs> I hope it posts before, well, this weekend, if not earlier, because I really need to have, find out what happens next. Yeah. So, until <laughs> um, next week, everyone. Apologies on the near the last 12 minutes maybe being a little bit disjointed because I hit stop record instead of mute because <laughs> I had to cough. Um, <laughs> so my bad there. But uh, thanks for joining us and thanks again for all the support this season. It's been fantastic. Uh, I we think... hope you've enjoyed and we yes. will see you next week. Yep. And uh, I think once Magicians is done, we might be switching over to Game of Thrones as our weekly podcast for six weeks. Ooh. And then I don't know... <laughs> I don't know what comes after that. But <laughs> yeah, we'll keep you guys posted. As always... Follow us over at theworkprint.com and uh, the workprint on all social medias. Um, love you guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.